0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus, age varies by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash b for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chi-Town, you know what it is. Blue in orange, blue in orange, blue and ormage, blue and, Amish, blue and, Amish, blue and Amish. Yeah, Windy City, you know what it is. Blue in orange, blue in orange, blue in orange, blue in
1: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Rule of Three, where we're going to try to take a more film-centric, breakdown-focused look at the last week's Bears game. And I'll tell you what, with this being our second week on Windy City Gridiron, me, Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson, my co-hosts, have quite the game to chew through here as the Bears got decimated by the Colts, or at least they did on offense, and lost 19-11. to So rough game to go through on our second episode, but
2: a game to go through nevertheless. Danny, how did you feel about this one just overall? Um, well, like I kind of mentioned pre-show, I'm just going to be completely honest here. I think they came out wanting to enter a slugfest into a team that frankly can win a slugfest better than they could. They didn't really try going back to what I think Negi's spread coast roots were they were in a lot of double tight end and even some three tight end sets and they frankly got they went into this wanting to slug and they got punched in the mouth and they it didn't go well for them not at all Brandon what did you think
3: well going into the game I thought they were going to run a lot more RPO outside zone out of a shotgun and that's just not not what they did they were under center a lot more than expected which is just not Foles's forte and it it just didn't work out well because I mean the thing is with Foles is he's not athletic at all so you want his feet ready to go as quickly as possible and when he's under center like that's just not going to be the case you have to you have to run play action under center so it takes longer for his feet to get set and it just didn't work out, and I think the, the Colts were just the perfect matchup against the Bears because they run cover two, which is, I think, part of the reason why Nagy was a little scared to run those RPOs because you have five underneath defenders in coverage when you run cover two, so I think they were a little hesitant to run the RPOs because you have the you have those hook curl defenders that are sitting right where those slants are in those RPOs so I think that was that was part of the problem but I'm expecting to run the ball against the Colts I mean I I don't really know what they expected it didn't work out
1: I think that you've just presented a whole slew of great places to start. So I will just give a quick message to the rest of our listeners. We're probably gonna start on offense and we will get to defense because there is a lot of positive to talk about on defense in this game. But yeah, we gotta we gotta start with the rain cloud. So let's get into the offense. The first thing that I want to address, because I do think it's important, if I saw anything on film, it's that despite what I've heard a lot. a A lot of people say on Twitter, and a lot of people say on WCG, and a lot of people say just all over. I'm sure you guys know what I'm leading up to. It did not look to me like Nagy, quote unquote, switched back to his offense in this game. This offense was way more similar to what we've been doing with Trubisky. And frankly, I wouldn't say that Nagy trotted out a game plan that wanted Foles to win the game. He wanted his offensive line and his running backs to win this football game, and they didn't. The whole first half almost any neutral down we were still running it and now we were varying between outside zone which we started for with a whole bunch of the first couple of plays into duo as it's called which is basically just envision bears fans it's like the ends are going to make whatever block that they can and then it's all just about doubling people up in the middle so what cody whitehair and james daniels they take a double jermaine ifady bobby massey they take a double the two tight ends because we ran it out of 12 and 13 a lot they take a double and the bears couldn't get any motion out of that i mean they couldn't even move the front four the colts front four all had career days all the way down to number 90 whose name i've already forgotten and i will get back to you on that as somebody else speaks but he looked like a king grover Hicks, uh, yeah grover good old grover he is he also he, blue uh he's looking where number 90 i don't think he's i don't think he's blue though gotta say but so uh Yeah, I mean, it it was wild seeing Nagy call this game, not in a bad way, unless you wanted to see more RPOs. I know I'm fine with it, but to to knit up what I'm trying to say here, I was surprised at how much heat Nagy's caught. It wasn't a good game. I'm never going to tell you that three points through four quarters is some kind of well-coordinated game. But as bad as Nagy was, I didn't think he was calling, quote-unquote, his offense either. What did you guys think?
2: I mean, I personally think he had one of his worst game-calling days to date. I don't know how you go into that game against that front. And honestly, that defense overall, they were like number one or two in most counting categories and number one in DVOA. Now they now you can make the argument they haven't played great offenses even now to this point because the Bears are not a great offense. But – I don't know how you take that approach into this game. Like, I mean, you brought up the point of maybe calling more RPO. I wish they would have. Like, I wish they would have called more RPO. That's the one thing we knew about Nick Foles coming into this thing was he's very good out of RPO decisions. We didn't see it. We obviously can't go back and change the past. That's called revisionist history for a reason. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I don't think Negi had himself a good day, and I'm one of the biggest Negi supporters you're going to find it's just i think he frankly in a sense got pantsed and tried to almost outthink himself into this game.
1: Mhm. Brandon, what would you think?
3: Um, i mean as i as i said previously like i don't it wasn't what i expected out of nagging like what they were their game plan going into the this week. Um but obviously it's it's a pretty big change um between last week and this week and i mean you only get so many days to to game plan and switch and but the thing is like they don't have a bye week coming up anytime soon and they're on a short week this week so they're in a they're in a rough spot they're coming in a
2: up against rough spot. Yeah, is north the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense number 2 in DVOA like they're going from number 1 to number 2 it's like it doesn't get any easier yeah, and despite
3: DVOA and stats yeah. and all that, which I completely believe in, I like. I think I think the Bucks are a better defense than the Colts, especially up front. They have they have some fatties up front that are real nasty. Oh,
2: I'm, uh, well, well, Brandon, really- you're not allowed to endorse the fatties. You thought the fatty leaving Chicago and opting out of the season was not a big deal. Hush yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
1: For some context, Brandon was perfectly fine with uh, Eddie Goldman's decision, but I do think you've come back on that a little bit. Why would you
3: throw me under the bus? I'm
1: going to do it because you told me he was a part-time
2: player and not even a starter. That's what you told me. Hey
1: we all have to learn i 'm <laughs> serious a fact. That's like, a fact. that is uh, absolutely un- a fact. unironically like it, it takes a learning experience to really like get something just just to use an example for instance mitchell trubisky 's development really taught me how much the mental aspect of quarterback takes priority take a look at Nick Foles for instance I think Nick Foles when it comes to his accuracy it's funny he's kind of all over the place he hits as often as he misses so you end up calling him neutral and he's gonna have a lot of bad throws he's gonna have a good couple good throws and a whole lot of meh but his whole game as an unathletic kind of decent thrower is the mental game and there were a lot of things to like and a lot of things to not. And I'm not, I'm not ever going to try to say that this was somehow a banner day from Nick Foles. He made plenty <laughs> of throwing physical mistakes. But I'll tell you what, when I watched this tape, I couldn't find a Chicago Bear that beat their matchup consistently. And with a game plan that focused on the offensive line and the tight ends being able to block their way into success, this was a massive dumpster fire almost from the first snap all the way until the Colts started playing prevent defense. I don't know that that's what I came away with. Anyways, Darnell Mooney might be the one, he was making decent catches, solid plays, getting open as much as he could. That acrobatic grab he had for, what, 43 yards was fabulous. Nicely nicely enough thrown ball, but a better play by the wide receiver. I'll tip my hat where it deserves it, and Mooney did there. But Cody Whitehair had a nasty, nasty game. Definitely one to burn the tape on. James Daniels didn't look great. Charles Leno had his posterized moments, uh, Bobby Massey, not a great one. Jermaine Fady definitely blew a couple blocks on duo, especially once uh, Cody Whitehair started leaving him out right to play Buckner poorly. It was was bad for what the Bears had up front. And like you're talking about, this almost created a pass-fail attitude where any defense that we're going to play that has a better defensive line than our offensive line, they're going to have to come up with something else because this game plan is going to get us torched every single time.
2: Absolutely. There's, I don't think there's much way around that, especially because to this day, like even as much improved as they are compared to last year, they're still not like a, really all that great offensive line. They're, they're okay. And I think that's a being about as generous as you can be about it, especially for someone like me. Like I thought Jermaine Fady has been kind of a revelation in a sense, and he got his lunch taken from him all day.
1: Well, it calls me back to the Lions game, believe it or not, because the Lions front didn't have a whole bunch of great players on it, but they did have one guy who was decent, if not maybe a little good, Danny Shelton, who came over from the Patriots, and he actually had a very, very good game against the Bears offensive line that day. And the Bears line started adapting to it. They basically just ran away from him as often as they could. And that ended up working really well. As we saw, the Bears ran well against the Lions all day long. But it brings up the question, guys, like elite defensive linemen. I'm talking like the Aaron Donald types, the Buckner types, like the, the guys who are good at what they do. King Su as an example that just happens to hit home pretty hard against Tampa Bay. I mean, if the Bears can't double block these guys with success, what in the world are they going to do?
3: Get throttled. Like, <laughs> all right, all right.
1: That's not the answer I think we were hoping for, but right. you know. I I don't know Brandon what were your overall takes on this game you've talked overall get a little deeper what'd you see
3: um well the offense was just inconsistent I mean Anthony Miller was a guy I expected to really shine now that Nick Foles was under center but he just he was really inconsistent and I think he was pressing as the game went on because he really wanted to make plays I think he was excited that Foles was in so he, he was pressing to make more plays and double catching the ball which leads to drops and it just didn't work out and um, I I would hope that moving forward, I mean the, the Bucks run a lot of man coverage so that'll draw a lot of good matchups for Anthony Miller because he excels in man coverage that they would go with more 11 personnel instead of 13 personnel and 12 personnel, because the thing is you're creating good matchups with Anthony Miller against slot defenders. When you're having commit on the field, when you're having Demetrius Harris on the field with Graham, you're not creating mismatches with them against outside linebackers. That's a disadvantage. You saw Darius Leonard, even though he's not an outside linebacker, he's a linebacker. You saw him just completely destroy Graham multiple times. You saw him destroy commit multiple times that's not creating good matchups so if they run more 11 personnel against the bucks they'll create those matchups i hope they run some outside zone out of shotgun because the the thing is with outside zone out of shotgun versus out of 13 personnel you're making the defensive line move and the thing and the thing that helps with that is you're going to make them start moving laterally which will help which will help create time for Foles when he's passing the ball, which is very, very important.
1: And the it unders- will open up RPO action, to your point. Right. Uh, Offer right. to throw RPOs out of 13.
3: And I right. Think- and, and, I mean, it's impossible. You can't, yeah. You're not running – With one RPOs wide receiver on the field? From under center. I've, so- you
1: know, I've seen people try it.
3: it it doesn't work out
2: very well no it doesn't people love their rpls then i mean brandon kind of touched on it like with the 12 and 13 personnel the other issue with running that is this tight end group still kind of sucks like not kind of i'm trying to be nice because but all training camp or the ramped up you know preseason, whatever you want to call it all we heard about was how good these tight ends looked in practice that's all we heard like oh my god, Jimmy Graham is looks like he's younger and and Cole Komet looks like he's gonna live up to that forty three pick billing, when in fact it's kind of the opposite. I th- I think I made the comparison earlier today that Jamie Graham is to tight ends what Jordan Howard is to running backs. He's got touchdowns, but he doesn't do really anything else, and that's all well and good. But you need to to what is he making this year? eight nine million dollars nine million dollars like and i I, i'll be the first one to say he's been better than i thought but you're not a nine million dollar tight end Uh, that's what you're paying him
1: they're paying a million per touchdown and they're hoping that he'll get in the end zone nine times right
2: yeah (laughs) I, i think that's all you can hope for and meanwhile your second round pick can't seem to find a field and when he is he's missing blocks he's got one catch through four weeks of football I am. I'll tell
1: you that I'm definitely worried about commit. I will try to be the voice of the listener in this moment and say, it's been four games. They're not targeting him. They're like, they're, he's, he's learning. He's 21 years old. I want to give you the chance to defend yourself against that.
2: Danny, what do you got to, what do you have to say? Well, I mean, it's one of those things, like at a certain point, he's a second round pick. I understand tight ends take a while to develop in this league. You know who else takes a while to get comfortable in this league? Rookie corners playing in space. You know who isn't really having much trouble right now? Your other second-round pick, Jalen Johnson. The other guy that I wanted in the second round down in Tampa Bay. That's safety. I believe his dad played for one of the rivals. Might go by the name of Antoine Winfield. He's not having much trouble down in Tampa either. You need to pick guys who are going to compete right away when you're in a compete-now window. This very much felt like a pick for the sake of just getting a tight end in a bad tight end class i'm not dooming him i really hope he develops but i really want the bear the bears fans listening to us to look in the mirror and ask them if he wasn't from notre dame would you (laughs) still be giving him the same grace and that you're giving this guy
1: and i'll throw i'll throw one more name in there uh, you talked about Jalen Johnson. Well, we've always heard that receivers take a year. That's what we heard with Riley Ridley, right? The unspoken right. man this year, that receivers take a year in this naggy offense to really understand what's going mm-hmm. on. That's why he's not hitting the field, which would definitely not do a great job of explaining why Darnell Mooney has suddenly started to take reps as the de facto number two wide receiver on the Chicago Bears. He's earning his way onto the field. And he's showing it with now 150 yards, which may not sound like much, but do the math. That's put you at a 600-yard rookie season. And that would mean that you almost literally replaced Taylor Gabriel with a fifth-round pick, which is outstanding. And good players, I mean, they just find their way onto the field. Brandon, I know you had it pulled up a little while ago. When it comes to Kmet's snaps, are they going up or are they going down?
3: They're going down and I, I don't see any reason for them to go up anytime soon. And I, I'm fine. I'm fine with his, like, I'm, I'm actually fine with his snaps going down because if it's not, if he's going to take longer to develop or if he's just not good and he's never going to get there, then don't use him. Like, find other ways to create matchups. So, if they want to keep him off the field, that's fine. But I'm going back to Mooney. I'm. I'm more than happy with, with what he's done so far. And I think,
1: yeah,
3: I mean, it's, it's hard to find true vertical threats that can do other things. Usually you'll have a a vertical threat, but that's all he is, is a vertical threat. Ted Gant. And, but the thing is with Mooney is he's, he's getting open off of those vertical threats that Mm -hmm. out route, that Foles missed is a great route. And I, I, I thought, just watching it live that moon didn't have a good game but when I went back to the tape he performed just like he has every single week Mm -hmm. so I I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the year just like I am with Jalen Johnson I thought he had another exciting good game and yeah
1: and I'll tell you one other thing that I do want to throw in there so one of the most frustrating things about talking about the offense over the last gosh Probably a year and a half. I think you guys will agree. Because 2018, we used to say, what's well, about to come out of my mouth. So if that gives you any hint, now oh, you know. Uh, the Bears offense looked, sure, you could call it out of sync. I'll say that a quarterback making his first start in, in the season with roughly three, maybe four weeks of practice, definitely had about four or five plays minimum that I could look back at and say, you know what? Maybe that was a communication error. Like the Demetrius Harris play, what was it? After the Bears had had their best drive of the day, they get all the way to the red zone. Demetrius Harris is outside on his own and Foles throws it on his back shoulder, assuming he'll stop and sit because there's no reason to run forward into the corner. Demetrius Harris, on the other hand, runs the route as it's programmed and they end up missing a play. Maybe it's a bad throw. I don't know. But it looked to me like a communication error. I could obviously point out the draw play out of the timeout where Foles handed it to nobody and ended up, uh, you know, using his athleticism, let's say, to run forward and take zero yards. And as Brandon pointed out to me pre-show, all the way back to that interception with Anthony Miller, where Foles says that he was trying to lead Anthony Miller and coming out of his break, Miller looks like he's slowing down to try to sit down in a hole in the zone. Miller is kind of correct. So is Foles. It's third down. They can both be right. Cause if he catches that ball, he does have time to get down and Foles is known. I mean, on third down he'll squeeze a window tight, go all the way back to that RPO with Allen Robinson, where he threw it into a RPO hole. And Robinson had about a second, a split second, to brace himself for what ended up being a huge hit from the Colts' safety that separated him from the ball. The point is, is that there were a lot of plays, as I went back and saw on tape, where yes, there were mechanical issues. Yes, there were issues with the offensive line, maybe not giving Foles the space that he needs in the pocket. We've been constant on that. And yes, Foles isn't an amazing player we knew that he's not a superstar and he's got his problems and is going to make his bad throws but there were actual signs of hope amidst what felt like a desolated wasteland of offense that the passing game could improve as these players get to know each other better am i just being positive or did you guys see the same thing
2: i mean i think a lot of what you're saying is has a lot of merit especially when you realize that so much of this is this is Nick Foles' first full week of practice with the ones. It's really him getting acclimated to playing with the ones. Period. Outside of what the quarter and some change that he played a couple of weeks ago, now it, it's and I want to this to again to be prefaced, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. No one on this show is saying Nick Foles is good. It's a competency thing he can read an NFL defense he can be a competent NFL quarterback competency and being good are two very very different things and i think we saw some of that even in just like the the throw to miller that's a competent NFL read
1: are you talking about the third and seven one where he reads away from the screen, snaps back to Miller yep. in the middle of a cover three zone, fits it into a nice roll, right. maybe takes less than a second for him second to make to the decision it. and fire right. the ball.
2: Because it looks right. like if they they disguise it as a man coverage. When he sends the guy in motion, the, the corner follows him all the way. Second, the ball snaps, it's no longer man.
1: This is late third quarter, by the way, second drive, I believe. And it's like a third and seven after the bears ran some so, quick out.
2: In so, case you want to follow it home. <laughs> so it's just one of those things like, that's just something number 10, Mitch Trubisky, never really showed an ability to do that Foles is doing. I mean, maybe Brandon has a different take on it than me, but I just feel like when you're watching that, it did look disjointed. And that's probably because there was a little bit of being disjointed in terms of they don't really, they, they haven't really played much together. Meanwhile, we're seeing the, seeing the same mistakes when Mitch was playing and he had all offseason where he was working with Miller and, and Komet and, and Robinson and all these guys.
3: I just think the expectations were maybe a little too high coming out of Falcons game just because, I mean, he performed well against a really bad Falcons team in quote-unquote garbage time that ended up being time that, to win the game. Um, so I think everybody just needs to lower their expectations a little bit and then just give it time. Fools needs times with his receivers. He needs times with the coaches. He needs time for the whole design of the offense to change a little bit to, to fit hit what he does well. And then just give it time to not play defenses that are just amazing like the Colts and then like the Bucks. I mean, you need to really, really lower your expectations for what the offense is going to look like against the Bucks, and then maybe the next week against, against the Panthers when they have that full 10 days to get ready for them, see what the offense looks like, and then, and then you can maybe tell what it's going to look like for the rest of the season and the, then fully expect what, what you're going to get.
2: The other thing I really wonder if it's fair to ask, because like I said earlier, I don't think Nagy called a good game really by any stretch
1: and nobody's going to
2: pretend either he did or that Foles played well, right? But how there. much of this is a complete lack of cohesion for a quarterback. He's never called a game before with like a full game. I, I, I'm not trying to make an excuse. I'm asking an honest question. Right. Does that, does that chemistry of what he's comfortable with, what I'm comfortable with the game plan that they're implementing going in? Cause you guys both know Brandon knows having coached, I know having coached and whatnot, Game plans aren't 25 plays. They're 75 to 100 that you're implementing in a week of practice. Like, so are, are we willing to give this a little time to see how this goes and what they're going to implement going forward? Or is it just this is what the offense is? Because I don't think this is even close to what they were running even week one last year against Green Bay when they asked, when they asked Mitch to take the keys and do everything mm-hmm. Matt Nagy wants to do.
1: And, you know, I think that that's the part of this whole conversation, Dan, that has gotten so messy. Let's just call it what it is, right? This is not week four of a normal season. We just changed our quarterback for crying out loud. And not only did we change our quarterback, we went from an athlete, we went from a guy who, if you wanted to be negative about both quarterbacks, you would say that one of them is a backup game manager and the other is an athlete that's still learning how to play the position. Those are fundamentally different players they require fundamentally different offenses and I mean there's truly like I know that I've seen this before I'll see plenty of people compare Matt Nagy to guys like Sean Payton Sean McVay Matt LaFleur and a bunch of others that have had way more than that have had way more than one game with their quarterback to get used to him like Kyle Shanahan, for instance. Sure, he got Jimmy Garoppolo and they like won seven games when they were there. But at least they had a normal offseason. Uh, no, wait, Garoppolo's midseason came over and I think he had like six weeks on the bench or something like long before they had that win streak. The point is, at this moment, Nick Foles split reps with the ones for three weeks, then rode the pine for three more weeks, then came back and struggled against a very good defense. I do think we can pump the brakes a little bit here, and if it still looks this bad in three, four weeks' time, let's all set fire to it. But one yeah, week, then burn it down. Then burn it down. One right. week at three and one, not that bad, and and there is hope that it gets better because football is the sport of small sample size. I know Brandon playing defensive back and you playing linebacker are gonna know that because. Gosh, do safeties get critiqued all the time for their interception numbers of all things? And it's
2: just
1: just a sample sizing issue. And anyways, all this to say in this rant that I, I don't think this was a good game at all by Nagy. In fact, I think this was probably his worst in three years. But... Close I'm willing to, yeah. to give it three or four or five games here so that we can see like how, how bad is this? Because if it stays this abysmal, that's obviously a huge problem. But also this was the first game Matt Nagy has called for a quarterback not named Chase Daniel or Mitch Trubisky. So maybe it just needs a second. Like maybe he's just got to get used to what his guy can do. I don't think that's that ridiculous anyways.
2: I mean, it seems like it's fair you're asking to get 25% of the season from them to get their act together.
1: Yeah, more or less. Uh, but anyways, that's that's as good a place. Unless, are, are there any other comments that we have about offense, or do we want to step away and let the sponsors get their word in now? It's a good time. All right, we will step aside for a second and let the sponsors get their word in, and we will be right back to you to talk about the positive side of the ball, the defense. And we are back. Rule of Three is, once again, a podcast focused on trying to break down the Bears from a more film-based perspective from a couple of guys that we really like talking to, each of the three of us. And we finally get to talk about the side of the ball. that I'll tell you what, they are getting ripped apart for having put together a very good game. And I find it kind of funny to watch. Because, sure... You'd love to see Khalil Mack come down with what was a gift. You'd love to see Roquan Smith somehow manage to keep his foot in bounds. And you'd love to see some of the deep safeties that I know Brandon's going to talk about make, make some of those plays downfield on balls that were incredibly contested and the guys caught him anyways. But even so, the Bears defense is catching a whole lot of heat for surrendering less than 20 points. And I find that kind of strange. We'll start with you, Brandon. What do you think of all this?
3: Yeah. I- I completely hate it. And, I, like, I thought the defense played awesome, especially, like, I, I thought they got a slow start, but then they buckled down. And I, I, thought, I thought Pagano had a really good game plan. Um, like, a, not necessarily just, like, sell out against the run. Like, l- let, them, let them be, because the, the thing is, the Colts, have been running the ball decent, but they've been running the ball really inefficient so far this season. Like, they've had a lot of success, but they've been running the ball inefficiently. And I thought that's exactly what happened this Sunday. Um, It was just the offense couldn't stay out there long enough to give the defense a break. But, I mean, all for all, I thought the defense played well. I thought Roquan had a pretty good game. I know the D line for the most part had a good game, except for the, I mean, consistently the nose tackles haven't done too well. Uh, I'm still calling for snacks. I know he has a visit with this, the Seahawks, I believe today. And then he has a visit with the Packers Thursday and then hopefully with the Bears after that, but we'll see. Um, but until then, I think, I mean, the defense just has to survive. Obviously they don't have him this week. Um Still impressed with Jalen Johnson. Uh, Fuller didn't have his, his greatest game, had a couple penalties. But, I mean, that's that's going to be Fuller.
2: <laughs> Danny, what would you think? I, I mean, I think – I saw a little bit floating around that for some reason people thought it was fun to just pick on Roquan for having a bad game when I think it was the literal polar opposite that – I think Roquan looked like a borderline all pro most of the game. And it goes back to we need to understand he's not a Mike backer. He's not going to stack, shed, and make a hit. He's going to play in space. He's going to be fast. He's going to get to things with a head full of steam built up. He's not going to ever be this guy who's going to take on a guard or a fullback, shed himself free, and make the play. That's just not his bag. But I will agree with the one thing of you're losing pretty handily. Like, I don't think the score – I think the score is a lot gives the Bears a lot more credit than what how close the game actually was. Um, getting into the jawing match with Philip Rivers, I don't mind if you're for all intents and purposes in the game, but they really weren't in the game. Like it was kind of already ball game at that point. Like I don't don't, don't get yourself. And we know Philip Rivers is this way. He did it years ago when Cutler was in Denver, and they're going at each other from opposite sidelines and whatnot. This is just who he is. Whatever, I don't hate Phillip Rivers at all. But the defense, by and large, played great. I actually might have a bit of a different take on the nose tackle this past game. I think Bilal Nichols did a pretty di- damn good job. I thought so. I did. I don't think he's – I don't think he was stupendous, but I think he was – I think he made plays. Like, I don't think he was great or anything. I just think he did what was asked of him, and that's really all you can ask a nose tackle to do. I mean, they really – for until the end of the game, held that running game to, I think, three, 2.8 or 3.2 yards a carry, something like that. They were, they were stopping them. And Akeem mm-hmm. Hicks is becoming the force of nature that we all know he is. And Khalil Mack is still probably the best defender in football, not named Aaron Donald. Like, the guy's playing unbelievably well this season still. The defense, mm-hmm. I don't have many complaints about. If any, I think Hicks has had a better game every single game. Every he just game. He keeps getting better it's like and he's, better and better.
3: It's wow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been almost,
2: awesome. It's almost like a, uh, a boxer who needs to get hit in the mouth a few times, you know, with Akeem mm-hmm. Hicks, like to really understand he's playing football again. And I think he even had the quote going into it. I haven't played really since week 12 or whatever last year. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he needs to almost like – or a racehorse is akin to it. A racehorse works itself into a lather. You know, he's working himself into his lather. Mm-hmm. and He when, sure looks like it. When he's, when he's right, there's not many in the league at five tech or two teching, whatever you want to say he does, because he's moved all over the line, that do it better than him.
1: Mm-mm. I know one thing that I've thought is pretty wild is just watching the way that let, let – let's take this game and think about what it was, right? I think you guys are going to agree with this. I would say that almost everything that could go against the Bears, like every, let's call it a bounce of the ball, that could go the wrong way, did. Roquan, ah, you had your foot out. Khalil Mack drops a gift interception, whole bunch of contested balls where it really was like Eddie Jackson's got his hand in. I think of it like in the NBA, a contested three-pointer that the guy just makes anyways. Does that make it bad defense? not all the time sometimes it's really good defense and the guy just makes a shot and they still only gave up 19 points to a Colts offense that it's not that bad I'm not about to try to pretend this is an elite offense it's not the Bears are going to have their hands full much more with Tampa Bay assuming they get some of their weapons back because if they're short Howard Evans and Goodwin that's very different offense but we'll get there when we get there what I think really blows my mind is at the end of the day, we complain a whole lot, and I said this last week too, about a point total that is just incredibly low. I'm going to throw this one to you guys. Just take a guess. Which of the two options I'm about to present to you happened more in the NFL last week? Did more teams score 30 or more points, or 20 or less points? Thirty or more, thirty or more, double the number. Eleven teams had thirty or more points. Six teams had less than twenty points, and the Bears held the Colts to the highest number possible in that category, obviously with nineteen. This is, I think the stats bore it out. They said that eighty-three percent of people that hold their team or hold their opponent to nineteen points like win the game. 83% 83% of the time you should win that game. And I agree, like, when you hold the your opponent to that kind of offensive output, you should win. The Bears obviously didn't, and I'm not trying to lead back into the offensive, like, side of the ball. It's more to say that I think from a statistical perspective, saying that this was a bad defensive effort is – a little far-fetched I get that we in Chicago love it when our guys win all their one-on-one matchups and every game looks like last year's Vikings game or two years ago's Rams game or two years ago's Vikings game but that's just <laughs> not realistic like it's you're well, gonna have games where the opponent does get to score a touchdown and you still say good game defense
2: I think the larger point of it is we're this isn't the 1990s NFL or even the early 2000s NFL when the Tampa Two was taking the league by storm, and every loose ball the Bears were picking up and trying to run the other way, even if it was just an incomplete pass, and
1: those dadgum amazing Steelers Rams games where those two defenses yeah. would just smash
2: each other like just how bang, about, bang. how about bang. Pittsburgh, how about Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the mid two thousands early twenty tens, but we're we're in the twenty twenty NFL. At a certain point, it's score some damn points, and I think. Dating back to last year, the Bears haven't gone over 20 points in like 11 of their last 20 games. It's something ridiculous like that.
1: Absolutely, Dan. I mean, the Bears just can't produce an offense and that has no bearing on the defense. If anything, it means they should give up more until the fourth quarter where opposing teams start to run it out. But one thing I guess I want to just, branching away from that because we could talk about that until the cows come home you could make it its own podcast but it gets talked about on chicago sports radio basically every day there's one question i wanted to ask you brandon because you're our defensive backs expert let's get into eddie jackson in just a second i want to start on the corners because i swear are my eyes tricking me or is jalen johnson slowly getting better than kyle fuller I think he's already there. Like, I don't know if I've said this on
3: this podcast, but I already think that Jalen Johnson is, is better than Kyle Fuller. And that's, that's nothing against Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller's great. Not great. He's good. But I just, I think that Jalen Johnson's just slowly getting better and better and better. He, he had one play where he lost, he had outside leverage. here playing, they were kept playing cover one robber. He's playing outside leverage and I think he kind of poked inside because Pascal gave gave him a little look inside, and I, I think he thought the ball was coming. And then he got beat outside on the circus route. But besides that, I mean, he, was, he was pretty locked out.
1: And, he had that third and 14, was it, where he just completely ate his man alive? That was yeah. beautiful stuff.
3: Yeah, and then that one press press man rep against – I think it's against Pascal again where he just – he had a PBU just completely – Completely ate him up. He never got any kind of separation, and Philip Rivers still threw the ball for God knows what reason. Yeah. Well, and what I Phillip would were. also
2: like to throw one compliment out to a Colts player, uh, and it's not even like anything major, but T.Y. Hilton is still really fast.
3: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was open consistently. <laughs> he was so Taylor.
2: open all the time, and we're lucky that Phillip Rivers is this year's Peyton Manning where he can't throw past eight yards anymore. Yeah. night.
1: I guess that's – so I watch a lot of hockey. Sometimes I'll blend it into the podcast. This is, this is a moment where I think hockey and football kind of compare. There are a lot of people who act like their defense shouldn't give up any goals or any points or no one should get open. Or somehow, because Kyle Fuller's a good corner, that means that T.Y. Hilton, also a good receiver, should just should get blanketed the whole game or something. Yeah. And honestly, if you get to the NFL level and you can't get any separation – Ever against your corner, you will get cut immediately. Like the whole point is finding guys who can get open every play, not just some plays. Most guys can get open some plays. I don't know. I just. I almost want to make sure expectations are set correctly because then a guy like Eddie Jackson comes along and I'm hearing a lot of rumblings that he's not making enough plays, that he's not picking enough, enough interceptions, and I just get the impression teams, are they see Eddie and they look the other
2: way, like they don't want to throw at him. Am I seeing this correctly? I think you are. I think Eddie Jackson's been nothing short of – I think the worst you could say he's been is good. Like, if you're saying he's good, he's just not – making he's not the ball hawk we're used to being him being well it's hard to do that when no one's throwing at you or really even bothering to challenge you much like i go back to go go back to the early 2000s when namdi asamwa was playing in oakland and they're like well how is he the best corner in the league when he has when he never has any pass breakups, and receptions oh well, it's because his guy is never open they're not even bothering with it like it's, it sounds stupid and rudimentary, but it's kind of the truth. What do you think, Brandon? You're our DB guy.
3: I mean, I am, I am fully on, like, the playing DB is about allowing, I mean, about not allowing the receiver to catch the ball. Not about you catching the ball, about not allowing the receiver to catch the ball. The 50-50s are more like 90% the ball should be going into the ground. 10 percent the receivers catching the ball not 50 50 whether you're catching it or they're catching it right no, knock knock the ball down because <laughs> that's
1: what makes what, it so frustrating when Allen robinson had two weeks in a row with what felt like those same 50 50s hitting his defensive bag hands, right. i'll just call it like it is because you're right i mean they're not supposed to end up in the db's hands and they did twice but yeah, no
3: because those, those plays will, will drive me nuts. When the defensive back is trying to catch the ball when it's 20, 20 yards downfield and it's third down, and it's like if you just, if you just knock the ball down, they're going to punt it. You might, mm-hmm. you might not have the, that exact field position, but it's better than a 50-50 chance whether you catch it or the, the opposing wide receiver catches it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's so great about Jalen Johnson is he doesn't try to make those plays at all. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not trying to pick the, really pick the ball off on those 50-50s plays. He's just trying to knock it down.
1: Which is great. I mean, it yeah. leads to an incompletion and nothing doing for the offense. If there's one player, because we've been so positive, I feel like we almost have to be negative. I, oh, thought, okay, Danny I, Trevathans, I thought Danny Trevathan's bounced back pretty well. Just wanted to say that name because he's a bit of a scapegoat lately for a lot of defensive issues. Big time. It, if there's one guy that has really underperformed my expectations and I should know, I made a whole video about him. It's probably been Robert Quinn because as much, and, and it's almost not even about what Quinn is as a player. Cause we knew what he is. He's a pass rusher and he struggles in run defense and he really needed that Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks guy next to him to shore up that run defense and allow him to be a three down player. Well, we don't have that. And that means we are paying roughly 16 million dollars per year for a pass rush specialist and and he's getting decent pressure I mean he's getting chipped almost every play it's not that I'm upset about when he's on the field but gosh that feels like a lot of resources invested for a player that's just not really able to contribute that much because of the issues he has against the run and I even think he got in against the run a couple times and it went poorly I don't know
2: are how are y'all feeling about Quinn in the addition? I feel like a lot of it is attributed to he's still working himself into game shape. Maybe that ankle. In- hope so like that's, that's what you got to almost tell yourself at this point. I don't know what else it could be. Um, Like unless that ankle injury is hampering him more than we thought, and it's getting shot up with cortisone or whatever before every game, maybe that thing's bothering him more than we think. But you you shouldn't be paying 16 million or 15 million a year whatever and mind you this is his cheap year he's only getting expensive going mm-hmm. forward like you're not paying a guy to be a, th- a one-third of the defensive snaps situational pass rusher at double digit millions a year
3: yeah he's only playing 35 percent of the snaps and he's never he's never done that throughout his career I don't I don't want him playing 80 percent of the snaps but I expect at least 60 percent I think it's it's 100% health. And I know he's had back issues in the past. He missed about half of training camp. They said it was because of personal reasons, which is complete BS. You don't miss half of training camp just because of personal issues when you're there, but you're just not practicing. Like that does not make sense because it's not from wear and tear because because he wasn't practicing. There's There's no wear and tear. So there's obviously some underlying health issue that they're just not they're – not, they're not notifying because they don't want the other teams to know. And every single team – Does that. the Patriots does this. They just don't. They, 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 leave, they leave some injuries off the injury report because they're injuries that are just everlasting. Like a back injury, exactly.
1: Yeah. I I sure hope not, but that would make a lot more sense and help explain it. It would be a bad signing if that was the case, and the Bears signed a guy who's going to have back issues. That sounds really reminiscent of Pernell McPhee uh, from a while back. A lot of money to a player that isn't going to play but it would help explain the production issues and hopefully he can at least contribute as a pass rusher going forward. Uh, I guess it's about time we wrap up with some final thoughts. Y'all have any final thoughts about this game and or the game on Thursday, because we'll be popping a show or er, show out right here in a little bit. And we'll be right back to record another
2: one in a couple days time. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, if it really is simple. Like, if the offense isn't going to score, the defense has to start creating turnovers. And I know, especially against quarterbacks like Rivers, like Ryan, and even this week coming up against Brady, that ball's gone before two and a half seconds. Ball's out. Like, there's only so much you can do. But you, I would also like to point out, in terms of the defense, it's hard to sack get guys when they're getting that ball out that fast. And – that kind of brings me to, as much as I know we didn't want to see Barkevius Mingo on the field a lot, he hasn't been bad. He's been a requisite NFL player. He's not special or anything, but when I, when I was picturing him coming in and like, God, he's their edge three, you could do worse. You could do a hell of a lot worse, honestly, like Isaiah Irving last year. Mm-hmm. He didn't but, do anything. Yeah, but I mean – I mean, Mingo's kind of reminding me a little bit in a sense of, like, how Floyd is. Like, he, he's almost there a lot of the time, but he's probably never going to get there because he just doesn't finish. But he's been okay against the run. I, I mean, I like I said, give props for props for due. Do. I don't think Barkebius Mingo has been anything short of okay. And that's fine for an edge three that you're paying a league minimum to.
3: For me, with an edge three, I either want you to be really good in special teams or – really good against the run, or a pass rush specialist. And I just don't think he's any of those things. And especially against the run, like, I don't know how much he weighs. He looks like he's, like, 235, but he's terrible against the run. He doesn't take on blocks very well. He has zero pass rushing moves. He's got a sack. I, he got it he got a, he got a BS sack <laughs> but the the thing is when we're having these issues with Robert Quinn we really really need him to
2: perform so mm-hmm. I think I, I guess it, I'm just saying he hasn't been dreadful he's been okay and that for me is fine for an edge three I think he's been dreadful against the run I'll be honest
3: but anyways I, I think there are this, there are some things that they can do with Robert Quinn off the off the field, if he continues to to miss these many snaps, is they can just move Matt to the other side so that they don't have like Blau Nichols, Warren Robinson Harrison, and Mingo on the same side because that's when mm-hmm. you create it's that been a glaring nightmare. witness, yeah. I mean, weakness that's being taken advantage of. And a glaring witness, too.
1: And. As we've seen, if there's one place, like huge credit to the man. If there's one thing that Khalil Mack has been doing, it has been dominating. He is the edge's best run defender in the NFL. There's nobody close, and you don't have to just look at ESPN's pass rush win, running rush win. I don't know what they call it. Uh, it's like pass the, rush, the beat. No, I know pass rush win, win rate. I'm talking about the one for the run rush. It's like run how stop. you do against the run. they just run use like run block win rate something like that but anyways the point is Mm. Khalil Mack is winning the overwhelming majority of them and he's way 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 far ahead again uh, compared to every other edge rusher and that's what you want out of your highest paid player on your defense and to your point that's something that I mean sure kick Mingo onto his bad side who cares he's Borgavius Mingo Uh, put like put your best edge defender up there Next to the guys that are struggling so that Hicks can anchor the other side of the line, you're going to be fine. You can separate the or you can space out the problems. When it comes to looking forward, I'll tell you what, if there's one thing I'm looking forward to against this Tampa Bay game, it's more Bears football in a very short time because this week has sucked. The discussion regarding this game has been awful. I understand all the vitriol. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm not sitting here trying to be some super optimist that says, we're three and one guys. Cause I'm very aware we played the lions, the giants and the Falcons. I mean, none of these teams are very good. Are, are the Falcons still winless? Like are they, have they won a football game? Cause I can't remember. Um, but the point is, is that we sit here. Sure. Like on a precipice, whatever you want to say, but we sit here at least where We are staring down the barrel of a really important Bears season where Matt Nagy and the rest of his offense have a real opportunity here to put up or shut up. This is about the time where I just want to see points on the board. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you run a triple reverse wide receiver pass and Nick Foles catches the Philly special 85 yards downfield. It really doesn't matter to me anymore. I just want to see points on the board. And today, or not today, in this last game, we saw a lot of missed opportunities, we saw potential for improvement, and we saw a bad, bad game plan get crushed by a good Colts defense. And against Tampa Bay, honestly, I'll say it, we may see the same thing. We may see them get destroyed yet again. It may take a little more time than just this game on Thursday but over these next weeks especially against Carolina I will hammer that until the cows come home we've got to see better and I'm hopeful that we will see better and if not my hope will be crushed and I'll be a very sad Bears fan but at least I'll be a sad Bears fan with answers that Mm -hmm. it wasn't Mitch Trubisky and it wasn't Matt Nagy either but we'll get there when we get there I'm just
2: excited for another
1: game Danny it's your turn
2: the the only thing I wanted to touch on Robert when you brought up the the offense and needing to score points. I'm the guy that literally 15 minutes ago said, "Score some damn points." It's 2020. The special teams unit was far and away the worst unit on the field this past Sunday, and they shot themselves in the foot repeatedly, setting up for long fields. You can't have long fields with this offense. Like, like I know we that surrender index you see on Twitter pop up. That I know that punt they had. You know, what? if you're not, if you know you can't score well, you got to try to flip the field. I understand the surrender index and how cowardly and everything that thing can be and show you how bad it can be. Um, but I didn't necessarily disagree with the punt there because your defense, A, was playing well and B, your offense wasn't moving the ball at all. So you got to be able to flip the field. But the, when you get those punts and you get a, dec- or a decent return or whatever, you can't hold. You can't get a block in the back because now you're making an already underperforming offense's job way, way harder.
1: Always funny, isn't it, Dan, that it's the good teams, the good fan bases that crow about not playing scared, the ones with good offenses and offensive weapons. And yeah, don't be scared. To,
0: yeah.
1: It's great to not be scared unless your offense is bad. If, you're, if your offense is bad, maybe you should play with a little self-awareness. And that was a punt that I kind of agree with you on. But maybe I'm just playing scared. <laughs> Brandon, what did you think? Gird. Like Final thoughts on this game, Tampa Bay, all of it.
3: Uh I, I think, again, with – I mean, the expectations should have been lower. But I think coming into this next game against Tampa Bay, again, expectations need maybe just bring them down just a little bit lower. I mean, this is just a real, another really tough matchup against an even better team on a short week. So, I mean, don't expect the offense to break out a whole bunch of new gadgets because they just – they don't have time. So, I think if you lower expectations, just expect – just hope for a little improvement. That's all you want, just a little bit of improvement. I mean, fly full on, expect a loss. It's a terrible matchup in a short week against the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Against a really I mean, good – Peyton
2: defense. Manning come out of retirement. Oh, please stop. Boo.
3: <laughs> please stop. <laughs> so, just – just, just just expect, expect less. Um, hope for a really good – performance out of the defense um that that should be a really good matchup between the bucks and depending on who the bucks are uh are gonna have out there against a good defense and the bears so
1: really the biggest hope i think you'll agree with this brandon is that the whole thursday night is the home team's night thing really comes into play here because I know, looking all the way back over the last couple of years, right. the home team basically has won 66%, 70% of these mm-hmm. Thursday night matchups. And with a 43-year-old quarterback that just played a game down to the wire in Carolina, you or I guess it was in Tampa Bay, you hope that maybe, maybe just maybe, the GOAT is struggling to slough off an NFL's like wear and tear, or an NFL game's wear and tear, over the course of this short week that really is as sad as it sounds probably the Bears best bet that it might maybe just be an off night for Tampa Bay but outside of that yeah I agree with you expectations need to come down it's not that I'm sitting here thinking we gotta put up or shut up it's time for 30 point games probably let's just not score three Like, I think we can agree with that. Let's get into the double digits. How about 20? I feel like 20 is a fair ask. If they get to 20, 21 points, I will be uh, popping party poppers, and I'll be, like, very happy. In
2: terms of this game, Tom Brady was not good the whole first half against San Diego – or Los Angeles. Sorry, I forget. Oh, geez. Tom Brady was bad that first half. He turned it on the second half, which matters. But he, he was a tale of two halves, very close to literally.
3: He still threw five touchdowns. Together. Yeah. It's a really good defense.
1: So did Nick Foles. No, I'm kidding. Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Why do you hate Nick Foles? <laughs> but one more, one more thing for the expectations for the offense. Their team total by Vegas is 19 and a half. Oh, my so, God. They uh, don't I mean, even no,
1: think they, they can score the, 20. The,
3: the hoping for 20 points. Like, you can put your money on it if you expect them to score 20 points.
2: I don't expect <laughs> them there. to. I think it's a All realistic right. ask in 2020's NFL when touchdowns – when team scoring is up literally seven points per game It reminds in total. me –
1: it, this reminds me way too much dan of when you're in a nasty relationship like i'm sure we all were when you were younger at some point, and you just say how hard is it to ask for blank thing that you know that that person you're with can't and won't do it's <laughs> you're just sitting there pretending like it's easy and you know you aren't getting it so hopefully hopefully the bears can find a way to create some offensive surprises ahead on thursday but we, yeah Outside of that, guys, I think it's been a rad show. Can't wait to uh, close this out with you guys. So go ahead and tell the listeners where they can find
2: you on Twitter and any other pertinent information. We'll start with you, Dan. Oh, you can find me on the Twitter thing uh, Dan Meehan, M E E H A N as in Nicholas. The numerals 90 after it. As always, bad takes, lukewarm ones at best.
3: Brandon? Find me at B Rob NSL, B-R-O-B, All continue to break down film all throughout this week I'll have a lot of betting content trying to make you guys money on uh, player props if you want to check it out hey
1: there you go that's it guys he lost me my money this week don't listen to him and you can find me on twitter at robert k schmitz that's r-o-b-e-r-t-k-s-c-h-m-i-t-z and wednesday nights at 9 p.m on run pass opinion where I'll be walking through games just like this one so Until next time, Bears fans, thanks so much for hanging with us, and we will see you next time.
0: Bye.